Hello, and welcome to The Daily Obsession. Uh, I'm joined again by Millennial Loft. Hello, everybody. Uh, today we're going to be talking about something that is very near and dear to our hearts, which is mythology. Now, mythology is just sort of the ancient belief systems of civilizations. There are many famous ones. Uh, Greek mythology is very famous nowadays because of Percy Jackson and Wrath of the Titans. Um, Norse mythology is getting bigger due to things like uh, the Magnus Chase series and uh, Marvel. God of uh, Marvel. That's probably bigger, but also God of War, which is a great game that just went into the Norse area of mythology. Um, so today we thought we'd talk about uh, mythology most specifically um, Norse, Greek, and Gaelic, and how it's put into movies. Now you see, what I did before this podcast, and I asked him, don't go into Gaelic mythology, because I hate Gaelic mythology. Why do you hate Gaelic mythology? Well, it's very simple. It's wrong. The The whole thing got messed up. For anybody who knows history, uh... The Catholic belief system steamrolled into Ireland in the like probably late Middle Ages and completely stamped down Gaelic mythology, the traditional Gaelic mythology. So every myth that we have from Gaelic mythology has been distorted. So we don't know the original and true stories, which oh, that's sad. It hurts. It hurts to have the wrong version of something. So are you saying that the Catholic Church, like, molded them? Because I feel like some Gaelic mythologies, such as, like, banshees and fairies, aren't very Catholic. So, of course, they didn't completely destroy it. What they, Of course, if they did that, they would never have been able to convert anybody because no one likes hearing that their religion is wrong straight to their face. Yes. What they did is they took classic myths of gods and monsters and stuff like that, and they transformed them into great kings and queens, epic heroes, stuff like that. So put a positive spin on it? Yeah, make them more humanized so that, you know, they can point to the one true God in their opinion. And Catholics are going to be Catholics. We're going to not touch that. But, uh... It hurts. It hurts to know that they just kind of stamped everything Because, see, that's an interesting thing to have. A society's base beliefs in, ancient, in their ancient culture is a lot of what builds up to what they are today. So to see something disappointing like that, I mean, you could say that Greek mythology and its wars and its horrors and the way that gods would burn down cities is similar to uh, Greece's GDP, which is their dollar bill being worth nothing and their buildings burning down. (laughs) Sorry, that's a little too on the nose. Um, But Greek mythology is definitely one of my favorites because it is so intriguing to me the way, for one thing, their lineage in the gods, the Zeus and Hera having their children and ending up having more children and then there being like somewhere near a hundred gods at this point. Oh man! Yeah, there's there's so much, and it's it's such a it's such a classic. The whole mythology is essentially centered around the idea of hubris, and anybody who knows hubris, it's uh, falling due to excessive pride. And um, what's really funny is the origin story of this mythology, essentially, which is uh, shoot, 
forget the name at the moment. Um, well, I mean, it was written by Hesiod, and essentially it starts out with Gaia. Well, actually, it starts out with... Uranus. What? Uranus was the god of the sky, and he created the earth, which was inhabited by the spirit of Gaia. And then Gaia and Uranus had children. With... There was stuff before that, but regardless, it's, it's a succession order, and then it ends with Zeus, who, by sheer dumb luck or something, managed to escape this sort of getting usurped by your children. Well, that's because his father, Kratos, uh, Kronos... Sorry, Kratos. <laughs> Kratos is the god of war from the video game, which is weird because there's already Ares, who is also the god of war, and also uh, Belly, Bel Belfi, which is also the god of war but less known, no, and Athena, who is also the god of war. There's several gods of war oh, yeah. in Greek mythology. But anyways, uh, his father Kronos was eating his children, and um, Zeus's mother fed rocks to Kronos instead. Mm -hmm. There's a horrifying painting of it that you can look up if you'd like, but I suggest not, because it is disgusting. So anyways, this Greek mythology was most popularized by, well, one, ancient literature, but two, Percy Jackson, which is less ancient literature, about 10, 15 years ago, I'd say, at this point. Uh, the author Rick Riordan, or Riordan, I still don't know how to pronounce that after all these years, he had an, uh, an ADHD son who had trouble reading, so to help his son learn to read and be interested in reading, his father wrote an entire book series for him. If that doesn't make him father of the year, I don't know what does. But he created this series based off of a demigod, the son of Poseidon, who had ADHD, creating a hero that his son could relate to. And the entire series is based around Greek mythology and quests and monsters. So when I was a kid and first picked these books up, I was enthralled because at the same time that I was reading these cool epic quests with monsters and magic and swords and gods and monsters, really, that's the basis of Greek mythology, I was also learning a lot of history. There was a lot of talking about the different emperors and the different wars that happened in Greece and Rome at the time. And as the series progressed, and moved into covering both Greek and Roman mythologies and their differences and similarities and how the combining of the two cultures created rifts in the mythologies and the religions, which was extremely interesting to learn as a kid. So these were made into two notoriously horrible films, which were due to the fact that when, when everyone read Percy Jackson for the first time, one of the main compliments that was dealt to the series was that it almost read like a movie. It was extremely visual. It was extremely funny and witty. It almost read like you could just use this as a screenplay for a movie. So when the movie got announced, everyone was super excited, and then it came out, and for some reason, they changed practically everything. But um, anyways, this is an example of how not to do it, which is just they removed all the things that we learned about mythology, all the things that were interesting, and they just kept the action part, which anyone who read the original series knows that the focus was on the learning of the history and the gods while put on against the plot of the quests. Now, this is an example of how not to do it, but 
Sean, is there anything or any examples of how to do this right? Yes, there is. Um, for anybody who grew up in the late, no, not late, early 2000s. Late 90s, early 2000s. You would know the movie Mulan. Now, it's a classic. Everybody loves it. You know, it's, it's, it's a story about a girl joins the army. Uh, but back in that time, girls weren't allowed to do anything because that was just the culture they lived in. Um, and what they do very well is the movie isn't centered around mythology, but they bring in correct mythology elements. Uh, one thing that immediately struck me when I rewatched the movie recently with my knowledge being better of the mythology, I noticed that they did spirits correctly. Um, China has a very spiritual aspect to them and one of the big things is their ancestors. Their ancestors become guiding spirits to their family um, <clears throat> when they die. And there's, of course, a lot more to China's mythology. They've had a lot of mix-ups. There's been a lot of elements thrown in. But for the time period, they did a good job nailing that. There's different parts of China that believe different things, especially in like the smaller towns. They focus more on the ancestral, like spiritual version of their mythology <clears throat> and I thought they did that very well and then they also covered how in the bigger cities and like the the metropolitan areas of their time focused a lot more on the like spirits but not human spirits like so like animal, animal spirits. spirits and um include like a great example is Mushu he's Comedic relief, but they do actually portray uh, like what a dragon would be like. Dragons were uh, these magnificent creatures that um, were often assigned as family guardians, and so were other animals. <clears throat> and their job was to not directly intervene, but... Uh, to guide. To guide. And while they do subvert this, it is still a kid's movie, so I'll give them a pass. The big thing I have is that when you're doing a movie and you're including mythology, if, you're, if it's about the mythology, you've got to commit 100% to being accurate. If it's, you're adding elements in and you're changing them for plot's sake, that's a different story. I'm okay with that. But you really, like... There's a fine line. you got to watch where you are on that fine line. See, I think where the problem lies is that when you're adapting a book to a movie, as fans of this podcast will know, one of the things I always say is that you have to know what the goal of your movie is. With films like Indiana Jones or Star Wars, the entire purpose of the film is to make a fun movie. It's not to make an Oscar winner. It's not to make the most heart-wrenching drama story of the year. It's to have a fun time. When you're adapting a book to a movie, you have to realize that you're starting off with an audience, the people who are fans and have read the book. You already have the, um, you already have the source material to work from. You already have the plot. You already have the characters. And I think when you're doing that, the goal has been decided for you. You don't get the luxury of deciding where you want the movie to go because you have already made a promise to the fans 
by starting a movie that, well, if we're adapting this, we got to do it the way the book does it. And when people write books, oftentimes, if they become popular enough to get a movie, that means they did something right. Now, one series that suffers from this and is very recent is the Artemis Fowl series. Oof. Now, this was a series that I adored as a child. It's the story of an Irish criminal mastermind child, 12 years old, Artemis Fowl, whose father goes missing, and then he discovers that there is a fairy underworld underneath Ireland and around the world full of magical creatures that he decides to exploit as he is a criminal mastermind for his own gain. And eventually throughout seven, it takes him seven books to become the hero of the story. It, throughout the first six books, every single thing he does is by personal gain, is for making money or for covering his own money or covering his own butt in certain situations. He's never the hero of the story until really the last two books when he decides to actually do something for someone else. Recently, this got a movie, a Disney Plus movie, and I probably should have seen it coming. Disney's not known for making villains look good, but it was not a well-made movie. It was a fun movie, I'll give them that. I enjoyed my time with it immensely, but that's largely due to making jokes at, it, at its expense. But in the original series, the way mythology was handled was that he brought it into a modern light, some, somewhat like how Percy Jackson did it, but he decided how would magic and this powers that these magical creatures have influence the development of technology? What would the relationship with humans be? And he looked at, the he being Owen Colfer, the author of this series, he looked at this and decided that if the creatures were still alive today, the only logical place they could be, if they're still on Earth, is underground. And if they have magic, they would probably be able to develop technology a whole lot faster. So his magical creatures, while still having magic, were basically the super technological advanced society living underground that only went above ground in the terms of trying to stop criminals who were living above ground and trying to escape the law. Now, the movie decided to spin the plot a little differently, which I'm fine with. They kept the basic elements and they kept the basic plot. They just decided to speed things up and that could have been done right. But what, where they failed was they changed the entire way that the main character interacted with the mythology. So even though the mythology is very similar to the book, they ended up ruining that relationship with the two characters which ruined the mythology because we saw the fairies and the trolls and the dwarves as not only mythological creatures but almost like a law enforcement against uh, interspecies crimes and in this movie we only really saw them as almost tyrants really because throughout the entire movie the child Artemis Fowl is just trying to get his dad back, and they act as if he is worthy of blowing up the world for because they literally sent armies after this one kid who kidnapped one fairy trying to get his dad back, when it would have been much simpler for them to just get the dad back, seeing as the person holding his dad was a wanted criminal by these fairies. So 
in the end, the movie ended up being, one, poorly constructed, but two, it ruined the way the main character was built in the book and thus broke the relationship with the mythology. So all in all, I really think that the mythology, for it to work, it has to be looked at logically. It has to be looked at how is this mythology being used in your world? Is it a plot device? Is it the world itself? Is it your characters? And you have to look at that and build your world around the pre-existing element. Because if you're writing about mythology, you're writing about fiction. And the entire point of fiction is that it has to be believable, as weird as that sounds. So to make a good mythology book, whether it be Percy Jackson or Artemis Fowl or even a video game or a movie like God of War or, or Artemis Fowl, you have to make sure that the first thing you do is look at the pre-existing element, the mythology, and make sure that works first. Thank you for watching. This has been The Daily Obsession. I'm Jim Fish. I'm Millennial Loft. And we'll see you next time.